Don't be wasting any time, I got somewhere to be. Always on the grind, yeah, you know me. All the crowd will Payback Time is a podcast that dives into the real story behind the person. How did they build their business? What challenges did they overcome? What mistakes did they make? And how did they achieve their goals? The overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to success. Sean Tepper is your host. Are you ready? It's payback time. Are you paying yourself last or first? Many small business owners see profit as an afterthought. It's whatever you see on your tax return after your accountant works their magic. But what if there's a way to turn a profit without completely changing how you run the business? My next guest is known as the Profit Answer Man. He empowers small business owners to understand and systematize the numbers so you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. Please welcome Rocky Lalvani. Rocky, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, I like to have guests tell us about their career backstory. So if you would, go ahead, take it away. All right. So I'm going to start off at two. Because <laughs> at two, I came to the United States. My parents immigrated here and they were essentially starting over. Okay. And so we were on the wrong side of the tracks. Um, but very quickly, they kind of started moving up the economic ladder. And when I was a little kid, a lot of their friends had also come over from India at that time as well. And they would get together and they would talk about how do you create the American dream? You know, how do you have financial success? They would share how they were earning and spending money and they were doing things. Mm -hmm. And we as kids were just forced to sit there and listen to the adults chat. It's not like today where they entertain all the kids. Um, but I learned about money growing up. And somewhere along the way, when I was probably 10 or 11 years old, I, I wanted to be a millionaire. Like, that was my goal in my mind. Sure. And even from a, a young age, I started with the paper route. So I always had money, and I was always doing well with money. And then even in high school, I would go, we were close to New York City. I'd go into New York City, and I'd buy the latest gadgets at wholesale. I'd come back, mark them up 100%, sell them to all my friends, Um and then I was told to follow the standard path, which back then was very different. You know, you go to college, you get a degree, you get a good job. Of and so I kind of, I did do that. And I started my journey to savings. So as soon as I got out of college, I immediately automated all of my savings. So money out of the 401k, yep. money into the credit union, money into stocks and mutual funds. And all of it was just set up and automated. And I kept looking around going, why are people struggling with money? Why aren't there more millionaires? Mm -hmm. This is America. This is the land of abundance. And I came to realize that the reality is, is we're not taught about money. My experience was unique. Most people have all kinds of money stories that prevent them from success. So they hear things like um, money doesn't grow on trees, mm -hmm. right? We can't afford that. Right. You know, that's extravagant. You have to work hard to, to make money. Well, if you think you have to work hard to make money, what are you going to do? You're going to work hard to make money instead of right. if you were told, hey, money is easy to make. Same thing. You know, if you're told rich people are evil, you don't want to be evil. <laughs> so there goes the money. Yep. And so I learned about these money scripts and how people were behaving. And I, and I looked at my own education. Like I have a Bachelor of Science in Economics. Okay. Didn't teach me how to build wealth. I have an MBA. 
didn't teach me how to build wealth. Mm -hmm. You know, they they teach you all these theories, but they never teach you reality of how do you actually do these types of things. And so I kind of continued down that journey. And then at some point I was like, okay, I've made it. I'm done. What do I really want to do with my life? Like this was nice for making money, but it it didn't give me any satisfaction. Right. And I always wanted to be in the money space, but I never took a job because when I looked at what everyone was doing, you know, the all those big Wall Street firms, I'm like, they're screwing everybody over with their products. And I didn't think I could ethically sell any of them. I didn't like a lot of the products that they were selling because it, it put money in their pockets, but not in the customers. Right. Yeah. And so along this way, I learned about financial coaching. And so I went down, spent some time with Dave Ramsey and learned mm -hmm. his systems, realized I didn't want to be with broke people. They're no fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so then I started serving people because there's a lot of people who make six figures and they're still struggling with money. So I started kind of focusing in on serving them. And as part of that, I learned that business owners weren't looking at their financial reports. Right. And I'm like, what do you mean? If you're a business owner, you understand the business of business, right? You know how to read your financials. You you make decisions based off your financials. And I came to find out that most business owners are looking at their bank balance. They're not looking at their financials. And that is why they're always struggling. Right. And that's why most businesses don't survive more than 10 years. They survive until the next recession and then they blow up. And so I was like, okay. Skills I love, like I was playing with Excel sheets when it used to be called VisiCalc, like the first set of them. I was in high school teaching accountants how to go from paper ledger to, to sure. electronic. And I didn't realize the value in that. That was the other thing. I never realized the value of all these things. And when I finally realized, hey, wait, people don't know how to read spreadsheets. People don't know how to look at reports. And when I look at tax returns and spreadsheets, they tell me stories. They tell me and I can see what's going on in, in a different way. And I'm like, this is what I can do to help people. Learned about Mike Michalowicz and his Profit First system. Mm -hmm. The systems he talks about in the book are the same systems I used to build wealth. He just adapted them for the business owner. And so I was like, okay, I finally found the intersection of what I love doing with what the world wants and is willing to pay for. Right. So here we are. When did you start this business? So. I've been doing the financial coaching for over five or six years now. Okay. I partnered with Mike when I left corporate in 2019. And in corporate, what were you doing? 180 degrees different. I was in sales. Okay. I was working in the biotech industry. I was the only sales rep who could look at the sales reports and tell you where the problems were. None of the reps would look <laughs> at the reports to figure out why am I missing sales? They would just go pound on customers. I'm like, no, no, here's the problem right here. This report tells me this customer is the reason we're not hitting goals. And so we need to go find out what happened with that customer. We need to go have a conversation right there. Got it. So you're essentially applying that same skill set to, uh, sounds like you're serving small businesses today. Is that the primary focus? Is that right? Yeah. My primary focus is serving businesses that are between half a million and 5 million in revenue. Okay. Yep. So they're big enough to say, hey, we know how to get revenue in the door, but they're not big enough that they can hire somebody to sit in the seat to say, here's how we run our finances in this company. Sure. And unfortunately, most business owners are more interested in what they love to do in the business 
they're not accountants. They don't want to be accountants. Right. And so there's this big hole and that's the problem. Let's dive into that. Can you tell us what you're looking for and what are some of the red flags that pop out typically? So the bottom line, it comes down to one simple principle. Mm -hmm. We all spend too much. <laughs> that is probably number one. And number two is a lot of business owners don't appropriately price their products for the value they deliver on one side and the cost of production on the other. Mm -hmm. So those are probably the two biggest red flags. And I mean, if you look at it, it's lifestyle inflation, right? Guy says, I got a seven-figure business. Okay, that means I can spend money. Well, no, it doesn't. Mm, right. You know, if, if you've got a 5% profit margin, that means for every additional dollar you spend in your business, you need $20 of revenue. The business owners are like, oh, a dollar spending equals a dollar revenue. No, 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 no. no. You have to understand your gaps. And the other thing is most businesses have a lot of leaks, right? And so a big question is, is can we close up the leaks? You don't know the leaks, even large corporations. So I read a book recently. It's um, Jonathan Burns. He's a professor out of MIT. And he looked at large corporations. And he says, when I look at a large corporation, 20 to 30% of the company is producing the vast majority of the profit. 30 to 40% of the company is losing money. The other 30% is breaking even and nobody has a clue what's what and nobody is willing to find out because no one wants to raise their hand and go, hey, I'm responsible for the 30% that's losing all the money. No CEO wants to report to Wall Street, hey, we're going to cut our revenue 30% and double profit. As great as that sounds, they're going to get Dang, hammered. your stock gonna, is going to tank. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all of these things that you don't realize that you have to deal with. And the average business owner has that same problem in his small corporation. They have no idea where money is coming and going. And then all the employees, they're all taught to spend. You don't hit your budget. You're not doing your job. Spend more money. Employees don't care. It's not their money. Right. So they're right. spending left and right. We, we have these big problems. And what Profit First does is it helps you to see with clarity where your money's going. It forces you to take profit first, and it forces you to take the time to go look at your business and ask yourself the bigger questions and say, the money that I'm spending, is this on vanity? Is it, do I need these fancy offices? Have my customers ever even stepped foot here? Do I need that fancy pickup truck? You know, those are the types of things. The accountant's like, yeah, buy the pickup truck. You'll save on taxes. That's wonderful. You just spent $70,000 to save 15 in taxes. You're making other people rich. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. So when you mentioned a really good comment here, which was people aren't pricing their products appropriately. Can you dive into that? I assume you're alluding to they're not charging enough. Is that right? They're not charging enough, and it can happen in two different ways. One is they don't add up all of the, the factors that are involved in delivering that service. So I can say, hey, I'm a landscaper, right? I deliver mulch. Okay, I buy the mulch for $25, and I charge $50 to lay it. Well, how much labor went into that? You know, what was your pickup cost? Are you really making money there? The second thing to say is, is what's the value of the job that I'm doing? You go to an upper end home, 
what is the value to that homeowner? Well, I don't want to rent a truck. I don't want to spend a Saturday outside moving mulch. How much is that worth to me? To that person, it might be worth a lot. To the business owner, if you're building websites, right? What is the value of the website? If your website can drive sales and add a million dollars in revenue to this guy, why are you only charging $10,000 for it? Right. You just delivered a million dollars in value, then you should charge appropriately. So it's a double-edged sword and you have to look at both sides. I find that you know increasing prices, whether you're a service business or product, the reaction from the customer can be significantly different. I feel like Product increases can sometimes be uh, a little easier to accept. This is from my experience, but as soon as it's a service increase, there there might be a, a little pushback there. Can you talk about how does a business owner overcome the challenges of increasing prices? I've heard the horror stories. So I think it depends on how fast you do it. And I yep. think it also depends on the value. You know, you've got a SaaS product. You look at Netflix. Mm-hmm. Netflix was $7.99. Now they're, they've doubled their price, essentially. Yep. So... The market does pay it. It's just your lower end customer is a pain in your butt. And those are the ones that are going to complain. So if you're doing things appropriately, if you're profitable, if you've got great cash flow, you have the ability to go, you know what? If you don't want to do business with me, thanks. You were a pain anyway. Have a nice day. (laughs) The customers who love me and want to work with me and get value from me are going to say, is that all you charge? Like I've had customers say that to me. Is that it? Yeah, that's all I charge. Wow. Because they get that kind of value. It's a no-brainer decision. So provide value. If you're getting these things, then your customer doesn't understand the value you're providing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or you're not providing value. Or you have a commodity product, which is a very difficult place to be. Let's take a quick commercial break. Have you ever lost money in the stock market? You either listened to someone you know, heard a comment on the news, or tried to follow a trend. Yeah, I think we've all been there. Most people lose money in the stock market because they make decisions based on emotions. What if you could remove emotions from investing? What if you could make consistent returns in the stock market based solely on logic? And what if there's a software that handled that logic for you? Introducing Ticker, a platform that helps you reduce risk, save money, and invest confidently. Get started today with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro, T-Y-K-R.pro. Again, ticker.pro. Right. When you analyze the financials, this gets into my world when I'm analyzing stocks. Are you looking at the the income statement, cash flow statement, balance sheet, and then the history of it? Or are you looking at just the current year? How far do you go? So I will look back like it's January now. So literally what we just did with all my clients, we looked at 2020 versus 2019, especially in the midst of COVID and said, how are we doing 20? Because most of them had to pivot. So how did 2020 do versus 2019? Mm -hmm. Where did we see growth? Where did we see problems? Where did your costs skyrocket as you grew? Where did your costs stay in line? And then what do we think we're going to do for 2021? Sure. And how are we going to do this going forward? So I look at all those things. My business owners don't want to look at them. So what I try and do is I just bring them the highlights to say, yes, I want you to know here are the driving factors and here's what's going on. Now, from a 
bigger perspective, we can sit down and look at everything from the beginning of the sale to the end of the sale. So the beginning of the sale might be website traffic. How many of that website traffic then clicks on something? How many of those people complete their checkout? How many of them come back? How mm -hmm. often do they buy? Um, we can look through all of the metrics because all of those metrics tie together into the result, which is profit right. and cash flow. Okay. So we'll, I'll look at all those different areas and I will bring up questions to the business owner because the business owner knows his business better than I do. And when I talk to business owners and I start questioning them, they know everything. They just haven't put all the pieces together. Right. And so I help them to get their pieces together. Yeah, right. Focus on what's profitable and maybe uh, let go of what is not, right? It's holding you back. So do you focus strictly on small business or do you still help out? Let's say it's the consumer that has, uh, you mentioned a six-figure job and maybe they need to tighten up finances. They need some coaching. Yeah, I've shifted away from the consumers. Okay, Got it. It's just not where I market. And again, it comes down to where can I produce the biggest, you know, if I work with a consumer like that, can I help them? Absolutely. But how much of a return are they going to sure, get? Sure. Right. You know, they might be able to have a 10 or 20,000 delta. When I work with a business owner, I can have a hundred or $200,000 delta. Yes. $400,000 delta. So it's just value for time for me. And I have found that that's where. I get my biggest bang for the buck. But for the average person, there is tons of free material out there. You know, it comes down to if you're living on a salary, mm -hmm. you're making $100,000 a year. I'm going to tell you a secret. The guy next door making $90,000 a year is just as happy as you. And yet he's living on 10 grand less than you, mm -hmm. which means you can live on 10 grand less too. Figure out what you're spending money on that you don't value, right. that you're just blowing it mindlessly, and stop spending. Live below your means. And the bigger the gap, the wealthier you become. That's not the American way, though. The American way is to keep spending and keep putting on credit card. <laughs> and that's why the American way is broke now. Yes. That was not the way it used to be. Right. You, know, you right. go back a couple generations and... We were not professional consumers. And if you want to be a professional consumer, that's your choice. I love right. you because I own stocks and you're making me rich. That's it. Thankful. Yeah. You know, if you want to make yourself rich, then change your behaviors. Yes. Right. Right. Let's get into business here a little bit. And the big recommendations or advice that you give businesses, what really moves the needle the most? Is there any specific like pinpoint or consistent thing you notice and say, if you do this, you're going to see some results. So there is a law called Parkinson's law. Okay. Parkinson's law says we will use up all the resources allocated. Okay. It works for time. It works for money. So if you, the business owner wants to do something, somebody comes to you and the sales rep goes, well, tell me how much time and how much money. And you say six months and a hundred grand, they will spend six months and a hundred grand. Yes. You come back and you go to them and go, hey, I got seven days and seven grand. People will go, we'll find a solution. We'll figure out how to do this. I tell business owners, you don't need more resources. You need to be more resourceful. So you're yes. working on your business instead of in your business. Right. 
when you start constraining resources, it works. It's the same thing. You go to the, the buffet line. If the restaurant is absurdly silly, they give you a big plate, you overfill it, and you waste food. Mm -hmm. They give you a small plate. Okay, you fill up your small plate, but you've taken a lot less. So the restaurant's doing better in the buffet business because you haven't wasted food. Yes. You've got to do the same thing in your business. What Profit First does is it sets up five bank accounts. So the first bank account is your income account. Okay. All your money comes in. I can look at my income account. I don't have to look at my financial reports. I know how much money has come in in whatever X time period since I've looked at my financials. We then take those and we allocate it. The first thing we allocate for is profit. You're in business to make a profit. You said you were going to be a profitable, so we are going to take your profit first. We're going to put whatever that percentage is into another bank account called profit. Got it. Next. We're going to take a percentage of it and we're going to put it into the owner's pay account because most business owners pay themselves last. You took the risk. You put up the capital. You put in the time. Why are you standing last in line? Right. Pay yourself first. Next up is your tax account because the government, it's their it gets money. Its cut. Gets its cut. Mm -hmm. So we put money in the tax account. And I will tell you, so I had. Mike uses the Profit First system. He is a small business owner. He does uh, recruiting. And one year, he had a blowout year, like tons of placements. Accountant calls him, says, I've been dreading this call. I didn't want to call you. It's like, what's wrong? You owe a lot in taxes. They're like, how much? She's like, it's almost six figures. Okay. Small business owners always get these surprise tax bills. Yes. He goes, okay, I'll drop off checks tomorrow. She's like, what? Nobody says that to me. Like, I've been doing this over 20 years. He's like, hey, I was putting money in my profit account. So as the money was coming in, it was getting set aside, and he had more money in his tax account than he needed. It takes away all the anxiety, all the fear, all the worry. You get to sleep at night. You know that you're going to pay taxes. We hate taxes, but you can stroke a check. Yep. Whatever's left goes in your operating account. Now you know how much you truly have to spend after you've paid the important things. And you can look at your operating account. And because you're automating it and you're forcing it, you're now constraining yourself. Otherwise, you look at your bank account, you see all this money, you're like, oh, I can spend. No, no, you, you forgot about taxes. You forgot about your payroll. You forgot about being profitable, right? Mm -hmm. This forces you to look at a smaller plate as we used in the example, and spend less money. It's all psychological. Yeah. This is a psychological system. And if you've ever heard, you know, if you're not a business owner and you're a person doing this, it's like Dave Ramsey talks about. It's the old envelope system, right? Yep. You give all your money a place to go and you put it in that place and then you spend only out of that place. And when you run out of money in the food envelope, you go to the pantry and you figure out how to get to the end of the month, right? Right. That's just what you do. We humans are very resourceful, but we've got to be constrained. And that's the biggest thing I can tell you. You've got to create constraint for yourself. And then you've got to create the habit. We say profit is a habit. It is not an event. So make it a habit. Nice. I love it. That's great. Um, a question blanked my mind. I like the, the strategy here about what you're teaching your customers. This is awesome. There's these five buckets walking them through. I always like to learn about my guest's business model itself. So I got to ask, you've got, 
it's what I would put it in the category as a coach or a consultant. So you have a service business. Do you charge a monthly or is this a project fee or how do you charge? Generally, um, my ideal clients are on a monthly fee. Nice. I charge a flat monthly fee. Yep. I don't want I don't want there to be friction between the client and me. Yep. Right. Just before I got on this call, I had an email from a client. They're like, we're looking to place a large order. What do you think? I'm like, here you go. Check the, the spreadsheet. We've already projected out what your cash flow looks like, what yep. your order flow looks like. Here is the answer. And here's why. If I charged him for that phone call or that email, he might not make it. And then he would go make a mistake. And then I'd be like, now you want me to fix this? Like, so I just find having the flat monthly is yeah. is what it is and will serve you well. I I love it. I love that. And you nailed the word that I always lean to as frictionless, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want the customer to know there's no surprises. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get a surprise invoice if they ask more time of you, or there's not going to be any finagling if, if there's less time. They don't worry about it. And for your model, do you do like a commitment and a contract or is it pretty simple? Like you work with me as long as you want. You work with me as long as you want. You want to quit next month, quit. Here's the bottom line. If if I'm doing my job, yep. I'm making you more profitable. So you should be getting a multiple of my fee every month. And we track your bank account. So you see, oh, my profit account's up 20 grand this month. There you go. Yeah. Let me cut Rocky a check. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I am not a cost center. I'm a profit center. Yes. I help you make more money. And so my business owners don't have any issue paying me. You've got to have the right fit customer. Yep. Now, if you're not going to listen to me, if you're going to keep doing whatever, I can't fix that. Right. You've got to be willing to do, you got to walk and listen and yep. make the hard decisions. Yep. And as you mentioned, you've got a, a really good range there. You said a half a million out up to about 5 million a year, right? That's your sweet spot business owner, business model, I should say. Any kind of specific industry you focus on more than others, or are you pretty open to a variety? I'm somewhat open. Mm -hmm. However, because I have experience flipping houses in real estate, yep. um, and I understand that whole process, I tend to get a lot of people who are interested in real estate. I do have some retailers. I do have some people who are also in businesses like this mm -hmm. uh, in the coaching consulting role. So, yeah, I, and the, the ones who really, I think, struggle the most are doctors and lawyers are never taught money. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if you ask an attorney why he went to law school, he's because they don't have math, right? There's not. <laughs> so there's a person who's never been taught how to run their business. That's why I was listening to your episode with Ali this morning. Yeah. And there is a unique person that understands business and entrepreneurship and law, no wonder he's taking off because it makes sense. He's, totally. he's got that most attorneys, A, both attorneys and doctors have the same problem. I'm an attorney and a doctor. I need a BMW and a Mercedes and a big fancy house. And I'm making lots of money so I can spend. These guys are broke between their loans mm -hmm. and their extravagant spending. They're not living as great a life as you think they are. I right. know the backside of this story. Yeah, I spent all my career with doctors. I, I know how most of them struggle on the money side. Not pretty. Creatives, same thing. Most creatives also struggle on the money side. And they have two things. Number one, they're like, I'm a creative. I don't do accounting. And 
the value they place on their work and and the dollar amount, they struggle with that internal conversation of pricing. Mm. So they're the people who probably can get the most value from me. But most small business owners where the owner loves what they do and accounting is the furthest thing from what they want to talk about, that's the sweet spot. Gotcha. Yeah, that's great. Through your business journey, it doesn't have to be profit first. It maybe can be before, but my customers like to hear about maybe a challenge uh, they had to overcome and and it relates to mindset and sometimes coaching yourself out of a a difficult situation. Can you share like a a situation you went through and how you you worked out of that? Um, So for me, I think the biggest struggle was figuring out the right business idea for me. Okay. It took me forever Forever and forever. Um, I think I was looking for a magic bullet, (laughs) right? I was looking for this perfect thing. And, you know, my first idea coming out of college was I'll just go build spreadsheets for people. I know how to build spreadsheets. Nobody knows how to do this. My problem was I didn't know how to get to the business person. Like, how do you find the person who needs the spreadsheet? Right. So that was always like, I would always struggle with how do I put the pieces together? Today, it's so much easier because back then there was no internet, right? I couldn't Google an answer. Knowledge was gold. So nobody shared knowledge and trying to find the right knowledge was difficult. So I, I, as I work with people now, especially people wanting to start businesses or get involved in real estate, it is harder to go from zero to one than from one to a hundred. Yes, yes. And I think for most people, take the first step, understand you're gonna fail, but you're gonna learn something in just doing. And to me, I think that was, once I started doing, so I built this business on the side. Yep, smart. I always had businesses on the side, always doing a side business of some sort. And I was slowly, slowly building it. Like the whole reason we kind of shut down our original tax practice was I had that same problem. I was mispricing and I didn't realize that people would pay so much more than what I was charging them. So that was a, you know, a script to overcome. And then on top of that, the government, you know, back then was taking 50% of all my money. And I'm like, I'm not working for a silent partner. Now, the tax codes have dramatically shifted in the last 20 years. So that is not an issue anymore. Right. Um, it's gotten a lot, lot better. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is starting and being okay with screwing up. Mm-hmm. Too often, we all focus on the business card and the website instead of serving the client's needs. Yeah. What does the client need? Where is there a problem? How can I solve it? So it's it's actually going into the market and listening for the problems. And so for me, I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. Getting out and doing that isn't easy for me. So it's it's overcoming my limitations right. too. Right. No, I appreciate you sharing that because there's a lot of introverts out there that I'm sure want to start a business. And uh, it's just a, it, it's a small thing. You got to just overcome and, and get out there. Um, I, Here's the thing though. COVID yeah. is introvert friendly. <laughs> <laughs> like literally. Sure. Overnight. All the extroverts are stuck. All the introverts are loving life. Okay, <laughs> sign me up. We've got Zoom. We're good to go. Yep. Yeah. No, that's that's great. I like your comment there about 
you know, just get out there and just take that step forward. Because ultimately, I kind of had the same issue as looking for that perfect silver bullet business. And and you just got to start getting in conversations with customers and tailoring your solution to solve their problem. That's it. You got to be in those conversations. And the more conversations you can have like that, the better. And that's what it took me to, like, it took me a while to really comprehend how bad business owners were with their financials. Mm. Like, I still, I just had a very tough time wrapping my head around it. And the more I've done it and the more I've seen their financials, the more I see, I'm like, oh, this is just a rampant problem. One after three. Right. Right. And now I know how to fix it. So yeah, it's it's been fun. It's and I've been very specific in how I want to run my business. Having worked in corporate, I don't want employees. Nope. I am not looking to scale this business up to ridiculous amounts. Mm-hmm. I'm content. I have freelancers who help me do things. Yep. And uh, I have a couple of them that take care of different parts of what I want to do. And I think probably by the end of 2021, I want to have an admin. They don't need sure. to be here, but I need a remote admin so that I don't have to look at my emails. If I have a research project or something that I need done, that they take care of it. They take care of my social media. Smart. Let them handle all the stuff around the podcasting and the promotion. Let me just show up and do my thing and enjoy life. That's great. You sound like you've got a really fun business. Like, I respect the solo entrepreneur who has a consulting practice. They found a good price point. They've got good customers and they enjoy what they do. And you sound yeah. like you you figured that out. So have you ever heard of the term ikigai? No. So ikigai is a Japanese term. And it's basically when you can figure out what you're good at, yep. your natural skills that you love doing, that the world wants and is willing to pay for. Yes. You put those things together it's no longer work. It's fun. You get paid to have fun. That's where I'm at in my life. I get paid to have fun. That's awesome. The reason I switched over, I can help people who are working and making six figures become millionaires. They're not willing to pay for it. Most of them are not. It's a struggle to get them to do that. For business owners, they're like, wait, I give you this little bit of money and my business makes 10X. Okay, that's a simple decision. Let's rock. Like, let's, let's do rock. this. <laughs> let's do this. So it's it's figuring that out. Yeah. But it, it's not easy to do. And in order to, you don't realize your own strengths. Because to you, it's like, yeah, that's so easy. Everyone knows how to do that. Yep. Everyone can like, but you don't realize that uniqueness. Yep. So it takes a lot of inner work. Yeah, for sure. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you wish you would have bought some stocks earlier? Imagine buying Amazon for $125 in 2010. Today, Amazon is over $2,500. Imagine buying Facebook for $25 in 2013. Today, Facebook is over $200. And imagine buying Netflix for $60 in 2014. Today, Netflix is over $400. Do you feel like you find out about great stocks too late? What if you could find great stocks before they become mainstream news? And what if there's a software that found those stocks for you? With Ticker, you can find great stocks before what feels like the rest of the world finds out. Ticker was inspired by successful investors including Benjamin Graham, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, and my mentor, Phil Town. If you want to know how they consistently beat the market, Ticker is your solution. 
Get started today with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro. That's T-Y-K-R.pro. Again, ticker.pro. Well, before we jump into the rapid fire round at the end here, is there a question that I should have asked you that you'd like to raise with the audience? Um, no, I think the biggest thing, and I don't care who you are, whether you're a business owner or you're a person with a job, just automate your finances and have money get sucked out of your bank account and put somewhere that you can't touch it and you can't see it and forget about it. So I think Fidelity did a study to see which of their investors had the best returns. You know what they found? They were either dead or forgot they had a Fidelity account. (laughs) If you just- (laughs) Just be patient and let it sit. Just automate money going into an account, Yep. forget about it and let it sit. If you look at Warren Buffett, did you write the Warren Buffett article just the other day or was that someone else? Um, I thought that was Jason- that he, might he, have been he put one out today. Yeah, Jason. Did. Yeah. So if you think about it, the majority of Warren's money came after 50 because he had been building it up and then it started snowballing. Right. right? So if you take the time to build it up, it will snowball. But you have to do that. Yeah. And yeah. We, we won't miss a dollar out of 100. And if you just keep upping that little by little, it is not hard to get to a 20 or 30 percent savings rate over 10 years. right? Remember, it's going to take you 10 years to get there, maybe. Because as your income grows, you just automatically start saving more. That's all. So that is the, the biggest tip. I love it, Dan. And you allude to something there is even at, if your income increases, if you can, try to have the discipline to keep your expenditures where they're at, right? And well, I, You can split it. If you get a, a 5% raise, 2.5% goes to your savings goal. Two and a half percent goes to your go out and have fun. Life is worth living. So I'm not telling you not to live. Mm -hmm. Just find a little harmony in there between the two. That's great. Great advice. Okay, so let's do this. This is the part of the episode where we get to find out who Rocky really is. You ready? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you can, answer each question in 15 seconds or less. Let's do this. All right. What is your favorite podcast? I like Abundance 360. It's Peter Diamandis and um, Dan Sullivan. So it's all talking about what's coming down the road in the future with technology and life. They're talking about extending life, uh, trends of, you know, all the different things that are going to happen. It's it's just amazing to see what this world is going to be like. I love it. I'm interested. Nice. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? So the number one book I recommend, and I actually a lot of times force my clients to go through it. It's called Living Forward by Michael Hyatt. And it's it. the subtitle is how to get out of the drift and start living your intentional purposeful life, basically. So it, it walks you through step-by-step how to create your life plan and how to just go execute on it. It takes three nice. months to get through the book, but when you're done, you have such clarity. Where you know where you're going, it's really easy to get there. Versus you go get in your car and go, I'm just going to go drive around. I don't know where I'm going. You get mm-hmm. lost. People are living their life lost. No, that's very intriguing. Thank you for sharing. All right. Next one. What is your favorite movie? Am I supposed to say Rocky? I just <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not going to work. Um, I love Die Hard. Ah, it's, a, it's a wonderful Christmas movie. <laughs> I was going to say a very heartwarming Christmas movie. I love that it one. It is. 
I do. <laughs> Thank you. Now we know who Rocky really is. <laughs> All right. Favorite food. Favorite food. I love lamb. The little lollipops, nicely grilled. Okay. Those are those are lovely. Nice. Medium rare. I think, no, we're not having them tonight. We're having lamb chops tonight. Okay. All right. That'll have to do. It'll have to do. How many hours do you work per week? Now, this is a hard question to answer. What do you mean by work? Yes, because we just talked about that. You're you're at that sweet spot. You're having fun. I'm having fun. So, you know, I will get down to my office in the morning, usually by nine-ish. Mm-hmm. I will leave my office at five-ish. Now, I'm not sitting there with customers. Like a lot of that time is me being on podcasts. Sure. Um, it's me doing my podcast. That's not work. No, that's fun. Um, it's fun. I do a lot of networking. So I'm like hanging out with people, having great conversations. Sure. It's not work. I might be sitting here reading. As you notice, I have a bunch of books. Like I couldn't tell you like to read. <laughs> I'm usually reading four books at a time and I'm trying to get through like, four to six to seven a month. So that's part of my work time because my reading is how I help my clients, right? I get value and then I share what I learned and and I can help them. And same thing on the weekends, I'm usually doing my creative stuff because everything else is shut off. Mm -hmm. So now I have my creative time. But my life is such that if you said to me, hey, let's go to dinner next week, I'd be like, sure, I can block open time. We'll, sure. we'll go to dinner. Or you want to chat with me? Sure. Let's grab an hour on the clock. I'm not like, da, 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 da. it's yeah, yeah, rigid. Yeah. There's yeah. no rigid. It's a very, as a matter of fact, my automated calendar automatically puts 15 minutes before and after. Nice. So if you want to book a time, it's going to make sure that we're not on a tight schedule, that if we go over by 10 minutes, yeah, whatever. I think yesterday, one of my calls went over by half an hour. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> It's okay. Good for you. Good for yeah. You. So I own my time. So I, yeah, I don't know how to really answer that question because all I, I do you, is have You fun. just did. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. All right. How many hours do you sleep each night? So goal is bed by 10. Doesn't always happen, but pretty often it happens. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, 10. So, and that's sometimes I'll go up at nine, 9.30. My wife's like, what are you going to bed so early for? I generally wake up at six. That's the the latest I want to get up is six. Okay. Uh, some days, if I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I just feel like going, I will. There you go. So, sounds like between six and a half and eight, somewhere in there. Uh, if I wake up at 4.30, it's probably because I went to bed at nine. <laughs> okay. Okay. But yeah, probably, I would guess seven. Seven to seven and a half is probably average. That's good. Healthy. Good for you. Healthy. All right. Next question here. What is your workout regimen? So three days a week, I lift heavy weights. Squat, okay. bench, um, deadlift, and all kinds of heavy free weights. Sure. Two, two days a week, I do what is called um, part of movement culture. So I don't know if you've ever heard of any of that. The whole concept is we as humans are animals. And if you look at a monkey or a gorilla in the wild, they can run fast, they can move, they can do flips, they can do all of these things. We as humans have forgotten how to do that. And so movement culture is literally getting you back to the point where you can actually have tons of flexibility. Mm -hmm. 
And backflips? Are you doing backflips now? Not, not me, but I do. I try. I'm working on my handstand. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm old. I can't. Like, had I done this at 20, then I would be doing backflips. So the guys who teach this, they can do a handstand, which is like, so what? They can stop at any part of the handstand. So if they want to stop, you know, at a 45 degree angle going into the handstand, they can. Like, that's their physical strength that they have, that they can just go halfway into the handstand and be at some weird angle and hold it. And so that's what I do. Two days a week, I work on on that. So it's it's all a lot of movement that gives me flexibility, strength, and control. That's awesome. Yeah, I respect that. Okay, last question here. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? So I'm probably going back to 18. Okay. That's, you know, right around the time I'm hitting college. And I've now figured out my life. (laughs) I was messed up back then. So I think I go back and say, look, here are the things that are most important. You know, make sure you build relationships all around you and keep in touch with people. Today, it's easy to keep in touch with people. Back then, we had something called a telephone. Mm -hmm. I remember those. You know, and a telephone directory. And if somebody moved and they never told you their new number, like you lost contact with them. That was, there was no email. Um, Number two, the advice you've been given is all wrong. It was for the generation before you the generation after you is going to look at life totally different than the generation before you. So don't follow the old advice. Things are going to get wild and crazy. Seek opportunity because there is so much opportunity coming. And the faster you can latch on to something new, the greater your ability to have tremendous success. Right. And follow the spreadsheets. Like people get paid ungodly amounts of money to figure out the spreadsheets and and to compile the numbers. So Go do that and go help small business owners and help people build wealth because you have the natural skill sets to go do that. Right, right. No, that's great. Great advice. All right, so I'll turn it over to you. Where can the audience reach you? My main website is Profit Comes First. And from there, you can find both my podcast, Profit Answer Man, where we really dig into the numbers without using the accounting mumbo jumbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other podcast is Richer Soul, which is life beyond money. So you figured out the money. How do we live the ultimate life? But everything is found or just Google my name. All the stuff will pop right up. Yep. And I'll include all of it in the show notes for you. So thank you. Well, great, Rocky. This was huge value add. Appreciate your time. And uh, I got to have you on again in the future for sure. Love to be back. Thank you so much for having me today. All right. See ya. Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know your time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions based solely on what you hear. All right. 
Thanks a lot. See ya.